I just told Richie we rich. Thanks for tuning in. We've decided to do something a little different with the podcast now for the rest of quarantine. So instead of FaceTimes, we're actually doing live streams. And you can watch these live streams on 1.37pm's Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash 1.37pm. And basically what we're doing is we're interviewing artists. Then the artist is going to perform a little bit musically. Then we're having fans ask Q&A. And then after that, we're having Aaron from the 137 p.m. team play some video games. So it's a fun Twitch stream. Tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. On this episode, we speak with Jimena, who has been working with everyone from Daddy Yankee to the current Trap Corrido star, Nataneo Kano. Um, Jimena walks us through different stories, drops gems, gives us advice on releasing music during quarantine and releasing music in general. Her view on the current state of the album and singles. Uh, we really cover a lot, so tune in, turn up the volume, and enjoy. We're happy that you joined us today, and basically, you know, like, so this turns into a podcast, and we put it on YouTube, and then some people watch live, but we wanted to just hear your story, and I know you work with a few artists, and you've done a lot over your career, and I'm really impressed by you, and I just wanted to start off and say, well, I am, and I just wanted to start off and say, like, how did you start working with artists? Like, tell us a little bit of your Well, I've always said that you don't pick to be in the music business. The music business picks you. Um, I was in my mid-20s. And I got out of nowhere the opportunity to produce for a local TV channel a like an interview room for the back for backstage for a really big tour that McDonald's was having at the time. And it was like the era of Latin alternative music. And uh, one of the bands performing was Molotov and the other one was El Gran Silencio, like all these cool indie bands. And I remember that I worked backstage the whole time. And it, like at some point I was like, let me go check out the show for a second. And I went into the audience and everybody was screaming at the top of their lungs in a way that the energy was so contagious. And it was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do forever. And I went home that night to my boyfriend and I said to him, I was like, I want to do this. Even if I don't get paid, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I love this. And he turned around and he said to me, he's like, well, you just found your thing. Like you found like what you want to be doing. And that's incredible. So that's kind of like how I got, got exposed to it. That night I met a bunch of people who I'm still friends with till this day. Patty Flores, who now works at Life Nation. Camilo Fernandez, who works for Caliuchis. Rebecca Leon, who managed Balvin and now manages Rosalia. Like this was like in my mid twenties, which was like two months ago, you know, She's great. Rebecca's great. Shout out to her. Sorry. Rebecca Leon's great. She's amazing. She's amazing. And it's, and it's interesting because she really has been, in my opinion, the first female to set the tone and set the bar on how far Latin women can get in this business, you know, like, She's incredible in what she was able to do and what she's done. Like, I, I really, really admire what she was able to do with Balvin, for example, and what she's doing with Rosalia. Because that's the thing. It's like, I never, I've never, I'm an immigrant. Um, I moved to the States when I was 15 years old. Um, I was thrown into ESL classes 
automatically because, you know, I was an immigrant. So they assumed that I just belonged in ESL classes. And I remember thinking that I was like, wait a second, I, I don't need to be in an ESL class. Like I want to be challenged. Like I never saw myself as less than because I was an immigrant or I never saw, I've never seen myself as less than because I'm a female. I believe that I believe in hard work. I believe in being very focused. I think focus is huge and doing everything with your heart and doing everything with passion. Um, I think that it's important that we don't get distracted with the noise, especially nowadays. I was just on the phone with a friend of mine and I said to him, I was like, I turned my Instagram off for a month because I can't with the noise. Um, We're exposed to so much information right now. That's very troubling. And that's very, um, that touches us in a way that's just that that makes us very vulnerable. And I can't speak for everybody else, but I speak for myself. And I need time to be able to process that information. Because what happens is like we become reactive to all of this instead of like really like feeling our feelings and really going through the thought process at the I don't want to sound redundant, but like of where do I stand? What can I really do? What can I contribute to this conversation as opposed to like, oh, I'm just going to repost what everybody's reposting and I'm just going to become just as angry. And there's nothing wrong with being angry, but it's like we need to channel all that information and all that energy into a place where like hate with hate. I grew up in Colombia, a country that has been. I mean, I would I would be having dinner and all of a sudden like a bomb would be going off, like people would get killed left and right in front of me. And it was one of those things that I always knew that you can't hate doesn't drive hate away. Um, And I feel like we all need to do our part in, I love this quote and I'm going to, I I don't know if it's a Dalai Lama. I don't know who it is, but it says peace within me, peace within the world. Um, And right now these past four months for me has been about that. How can I be a better person? How can I not let all my beliefs kind of like cloud my judgment to the point where I can't have a conversation with somebody that thinks differently than me. Um, I think we need to have more civil conversations. I need to, I, I think we need to be more flexible in other people's point of views. And again, I think social media just kind of like doesn't allow us for us to process all these things. So we can come up with a, with, with our, our own way of thinking. Um, so anyway, I don't know why I got distracted into that, but so going back to music, well, that's, important. that's important. I'm happy you said that, you know, it's, it's, yeah. more, it's more than reposting. It's, it's about conversations and processing and really understanding what's going on because a lot of people, well, not a lot, but I, I hope this isn't a lot, but people repost and then just keep it moving and don't even know what they reposted. And not only that, Mike, but it's very easy for me to do it from the comfort of my couch. You know what I mean? It's like, am I really bringing something to the table? Like, am I really contributing? Am I really doing my part? And it's like, until I don't, understand the issue at heart because I'm taking the time to research it. And again, you know, I'm an immigrant. I am. I came to this country 15 years ago. I was running away from violence in Colombia. Um, so it wasn't like I came here, like, you know, and, and the doors just opened to me. Like I had to open all the doors. And, and again, I've never seen myself as less than because I'm a woman or because I'm Latina. You know, I, I, I spoke English as a kid because I was, I went to a, an, an English school in Colombia. Um, and I, I love languages, like languages are my things because I love to talk. So I figure the more languages I can speak, the more I can talk to people. But, um, but um, 
I think it's important that we process. I think it's important that we sit with with what we're reading. And I think it's important for us to always look at the other side because there is there's always a different side. And I feel like the more we understand that, the better judgment we have and the more we can contribute to the conversation. But anyway, but let's go back to music. So so yeah, so that's how I got into music. And I was like this like indie alternative music, like that's what I loved, and Soe and Molotov and Cafe Tacuba. Um, also something interesting is that when you grow up in Latin countries, you grow up listening to Spanish and English music. So it's never just, it was just never Spanish music. So when I got into the alternative world, it was awesome because it was like, oh my God, there are all these cool bands that can play, you know, guitar just as good as somebody on the Rolling Stones can play guitar and Led Zeppelin, like all the stuff that I grew up on. And then after that, I... A friend of mine that worked at a radio station calls me one day and he's like, hey, do you know who Daddy Yankee is? You know that song Gasolina? And I was like, of course, Gasolina was like everywhere. And he's like, well, he's coming to L.A. for the first time and we're doing an event with him. Gas, the price of gas was like through the roof back then. So the promotion was that everybody that came to a gas station in East L.A. was going to get Daddy Yankee to pump gas for them in their car. oh my god it was the best so i was like i love it i was like i'm down like what do i have to do and they're like we need to get media to come and cover the event can you help us out and i was like of course that's something that i recommend to everybody i if you don't know how to do something always say yes because you can figure out how to do it like we are all so intelligent and so capable especially now with the internet back then we didn't have google but it's like you can, anybody can figure out how to do anything. Like all you got to do is you got to believe in yourself. You got to like get away from the fear and you just have to like go, like just go. So he's like, can you help us out? And I was like, of course I'll do it. Oh my God, Mike. So I start calling all the TV stations and I start calling all the news outlets and everyone's like, daddy Yankee, who, what, what do you mean? He's a musician. He plays for the Yankees. I don't understand. Like, nobody knew who daddy yankee was like gasolina like what is that like like the whole does he play for the yankees but he's a musician like that was the funniest one out of them all to make a really long story short nobody nobody confirmed that they were going to come cover the event i had to be there at like five in the morning the next day and i wake up at four in the morning like i couldn't sleep because i was so nervous and i was like oh my god that was my fist my first big gig as a freelancer And I was like, the client's going to hate me. Like, no one is going to show up. This is pre-social media time. So people only knew about the event if they heard it through the radio station. Yeah, that's tough. It was super tough. So all of a sudden, I'm on my way there. And my cell phone, which I had a Sprint flip phone at the time, (laughs) uh, starts ringing like nonstop. And I pick up, and it was Fox News. And they're like, was it you that sent us that press release and that media alert about that Yankee daddy guy at the gas station and gasolina? And I was like, yeah, that's me. He's like, can we come cover the event? And I was like, yeah, of course. And then I got another call from ABC and all of a sudden everybody wanted to come cover it. What ended up happening is that the morning traffic helicopters, the ones that monitor the morning traffic, all of a sudden thought, saw that there was 3,000 people at that gas station. So they were like, what's going on? Like nobody knew why there was all of a sudden 3000 people in this gas station. So again, to make a long story short, um, it was a huge success. 
to the point where like every time we brought Yankee out of the limo, we could to get him to pump gas. We couldn't get him out because people were like punching us. I remember people pulled my hair. It was, it was insanity. And I remember thinking that day, I was like, Oh my God, this reggaeton thing is huge, huge. At the time we didn't have what's mega today in LA mega 96.3 used to be Latino 96.3. And actually Jerry, Jerry from Apple music, he was one of the programmers for the station. Uh, but we didn't have any outlets to listen to reggaeton. Like it didn't, they didn't exist. So finally, after the whole thing was over, we took Yankee to a taqueria in East LA. I actually took a picture and I'll send it to you. I forgot. I, I should have, I should have looked it up, but we took a picture in front of the Virgin of Guadalupe. All That's of so us. And That's it's so all cool. black and white. It's a super cool picture. And it was like that day I knew that reggaeton was here to stay. Like it wasn't going anywhere. People just gravitated towards it. Um, so then I, my way back home, all of a sudden I put power was playing an Evie Queen song. Super Estrella was playing Gasolina. And then um, I think it was Kiss. They were playing a Don Omar song. And I was like, oh, my God, this is here to stay. So, and again, to make a long story short, um, Paolo Lopez, who used to run Machete Music, um, we had known each other, you know, just through concerts and in passing. And he found out that I was involved in the whole Gasolina event thing. And he called me up and he's like, listen, do you want to come work for us? And it took a really long time to do the negotiations and everything because everybody wanted to work for them. And um, I don't come from that background. I didn't come from that background of urban music. I know that urban's not the right word, but you know, I didn't come from that. I was a re I was I was a Latin alternative rocker girl. But I, you know what? I saw the potential, and I just saw how I love movements. I love social movements. I love I love things that are going to shift the culture. Um, and it reminds. I'm sorry. You love the passion. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's great when you have a, an artist that's successful, but it's like, what's behind it? You know, like if you're able to really shift the movement culturally, I think it's so enriching, especially for Latin culture. So I started working with Machete. Nobody, like, I cannot, like, I promised my firstborn to every single producer on TV. So they would put Wisini Yandel on TV, Gordon Omar, or Angeli Cris. Like, it was... Nobody believed in the music. Everybody's like, what is that music that's going to go away? Like pop was really strong back in the day. And just little by little by little by little is like we, you know, collectively at the label, because we all worked so hard, we got reggaeton to what it is today. And, you know, I feel very proud about that. I feel proud that I was a part of the movement. It was a lot of work. Um, I decided to take a break. I then I left the label and I took a break from music. Um, because I have this thing that it's like, if things are too simple, I feel like there's something wrong with them. So I was like, no, 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 I, I need to go like find something else to do, like something different. So I wanted to get into the tech space. And that was disheartening. The level of the lack of diversity, not only like talk about like racism, ageism, um, the fact that, like, for example, like my name, my, my name is spelled X-I-M-E-N-A. Like, people don't know if I'm a woman, if I'm what I, what, it, like, they think that I'm, like, some alien from another world because there's an X in my name. And I had never been met with so much resistance like I did trying to get into the tech world. 
Um, and like I said, I'm super smart. I like, you can teach me how to do anything and I'll learn it. And it was very disheartening and yeah. disappointing. And it was really, really rough. And it was one of those things where I had a conversation with a good friend of mine that lives in Lebanon. And one day he said to me, he's like, what are you good at? Like, what, what do you really love to do? And I was like, I love to be in music and really shift the culture. And he's yeah. like, that's what you should be doing. Like, don't look outside. Don't think that it's somewhere else. Go and do your thing. And during that time, coincidentally, I was introduced to Jimmy Humilde, yeah. the guy who brought from Humilde. And a good friend of mine introduced us who's known him for a really long time. And he was looking for a publicist. But it was funny because he didn't want a publicist. He didn't know what he wanted. He just wanted somebody to come and help him. Yeah. You know, he, I mean... Mike, I keep, I tell this to everybody. Jimmy has golden ears. I Jimmy, believe. Jimmy is the most amazing ENR that I've met in this business. Like, you know how like JLo insured her butt? Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't insure <laughs> Jimmy's ears. I want to like, meet, meet him. I, oh my I, God, Mike, next time you're here, it is just like the other night he played some stuff for me that I was like, because you never think that music can change that much because we've done it all. And he just comes up with things that I'm like, it blows my mind. So I was introduced to him and it was one of those things that like my friend Mickey, who introduced us, he was like, it was either going to go really well or it was either going to go really bad because we both have very strong personalities. We both have, you know, a way of looking at things that's like, I'm very passionate about it and he's very passionate about it. And um, so again, I'm not Mexican. I don't come from that world. So it was again, like putting myself in that reggaeton thing again where I'm like I'm the outsider but I also think that when you're an outsider you're able to look at things more objectively and if you understand them and again if you feel passionate about it it's like boom so he played me the music and I said to him I was like and by the way I've always been obsessed with Mexican culture like I love everything about Mexico and then I love everything about Mexican Americans because that's a whole new different ball game yeah. Um, because I was, I grew up with Mexican Americans here in LA and I, and I saw kind of like the, um, the struggle that they've already, they've always had in terms of music and their music being accepted and their music not being cool enough or whatever it is. And I'm like, no, their music is super badass. Like, it's like you hear one of those tubas. And again, it's not stuff that I come home and listen to every night, but it's like, you can't deny the richness of it. So the he, tuba the tuba is great. It's insane. It's so great. Yeah. <clears throat> so he played me the music and I looked around and I said to him, I was like, you know, that's regional urban music. I was like, that is your equivalent to the urban, you know, like to the reggaeton and the trap and the bachata and then all of that just on the Mexican side. And I was like, that's super cool because what it, what it is, is basically all the kids that grew up here in the U.S. from Mexican parents so they would be home with their parents listening to corridos and listening to regional Mexican music. But then they would go to school and hang out with all their friends and their friends would listen to hip hop. So yeah. it was all of a sudden the kids grew up and they were like, they were turning on the radio or watching YouTube and there was nothing out there that spoke to them directly. So Jimmy, who's always like had the great ears and he's always been really tapped into the Mexican American culture. He's like, wait, the kids need this. The kids need to have this. So he built with his two partners, they built, I mean, it's, I am in awe every time like that I listen to something. I'm like, oh my God. So they built Rancho Milde, 
So they're the top indie label right now. And basically what I tell people, what I did is I put a pretty bow on it and I packaged it and I just, I've been showing it to everybody and just telling people like, Hey, here they are. And we've seen a lot of success. I've been with them for a year and a few months and it's been, it's been super challenging because again, it was, I wasn't met with as much resistance as it happened with reggaeton because I think people are more open. Um, but again, it's been, it hasn't been easy. We, we have like Univision doesn't want to help us like with their shows, with their TV shows, because they think that we're not authentic or that we are not, we're not, uh, that we're too different. Yeah. You know, radio has also been really challenging. So your normal traditional channels of marketing music has been really, really tough. But digitally, it's been a huge success. And on the Anglo side, you know, the New York Times has done articles about us. Forbes has done it. Like the mainstream Anglo side has totally embraced this movement to the point where now we're seeing a little bit more of the Latin traditional outlets be like, you know, okay, mm-hmm. want to do something. Okay, we're open to it. But it's been super challenging. But at the same time, I love it. I love it because it's not easy. Um, right now, we, we've been working with a Mexican artist named Natanael Cano, who's 19 years old. I met him when he was 18 and he had just arrived here in the U.S. And I remember when I saw him, he's, I was like, this kid is a rock star. Like, I don't know. I think with artists, like you either have it or you don't. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Yes, there are a lot of artists who make it and who are successful because they work really hard and they're focused. But there's what the French call that je ne sais quoi that you can't put your finger on, that you either have or you don't have it. And Nata is a rock star. I'm impressed by how young he is. He's a baby. So imagine, and he's, and I got it, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he actually works really hard. He wants to pretend like he doesn't, but he works really hard. He's <laughs> very focused. You know, he's not. You know, he's a kid that goes out and has fun and like quarantine has been super weird for him. Um, But they're living on a ranch and they're like driving like those motorcycles and like they're, you know, he's very creative. He's and he's a kid and him like him with Jimmy is like, like unstoppable. So it's been really, really interesting because Bad Bunny decided to jump on one of his tracks. And it's the first time that any Latin urban artist has run has uh, jumped on a corrido, corrido, like unheard of. There's been some collabs between Mexican artists and, and Latin urban artists, but never like to the degree of how it was with Nata and Bunny. <clears throat> so Nata was able to come sing with him at, um, at his show here in LA. So basically it's like all of a sudden, everybody on the other side of the world started finding out who Nata is. And the thing is like, he's so, there's so many layers to him. There's so many, his voice is very unique. He doesn't limit himself to what he can do. He doesn't have a label that limits him to what he can do because that's another thing, Mike. At some point when I left Machete, which is owned by Universal, I feel like labels started thinking that they were marketing companies and they forgot that their core product is music and all their resources should be invested in A&R, not in whether they can get sponsors or whether they can team up, team up with brands. And I was, I was a believer in that, but I feel like they forgot that at the end of the day, it's about the music and people want to hear good music and people want to be excited about new music. And if you forget that part of the process, 
I don't care how much money you invest. I don't care if, you know, the top brand in the world comes and offers you bazillions of dollars. If people don't connect authentically with the music, forget it. So that's another thing that Jimmy's great at, that he really, he gives, he gives the artist the freedom to be themselves, but he guides them. So the sound is always really, really authentic and genuine. And I think that goes a really long way. Yeah. So I wanted to say, well, that, well, first of all, thanks for sharing all that. Everyone listening is probably like Googling you and trying to read your book, but (laughs) (laughs) seriously, you need to write a book. Um, But Hey, the way, the way this works is, we, we actually have some people join us and ask you some questions. So we have a couple of people who've been listening who, who are waiting to ask you about cool. Nata Nail. And uh, so like they want to ask you about Nata. They want to ask about the new album. They want to ask about marketing. And we're going to bring in uh, Nick. Aaron, I'm going to stay in the stream, but we could bring in Nick real quick. Hey, Nick, can you hear us? Hey, Hi, man. Hey, Mike. Great to meet you. Thank you, Good Mike. Here. Thanks for setting this up. I'm outside right now for the first time today. And uh, it was really, really interesting hearing you talk about the pre-social media era and how you really didn't have a ton of expectations on how that Daddy Yankee event was going to turn out because there wasn't really a great way to measure expectations as radio is kind of just a broadcast. So that was a super awesome gem. But my question was kind of more along the lines of for uh, Nathaniel's uh, album, he has a little Tekka feature on there. And it's interesting to see how U.S.-based artists or Mexican-based artists start cross-pollinating. But from like a more marketing and management side, even touring, are there different ways to like address those two audiences based how they might consume differently or you know, might attend events differently? I kind of want to get your POV on that. I think, I think it's two-sided. I think there's a marketing component to it that's really important because obviously Mexico is the number one streaming country in the entire world. Um, just Spanish-speaking consumers. I mean, I think I did the math. How many? I, 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 was it 4 point? Was it 4.1 billion? I think it's one, 4.1 billion Spanish-speaking listeners. Damn. Uh, yeah, because when you add Spain, all of Latin America, Mexico, like it, we're a ton. So I think that there is a marketing component to it that it, it is it is a smart business decision. But I also think that, especially with social media, where one artist can reach out to the other artist, there's got to be some synergy there, and there's got to be something they got to like each other. They got to like they got to be able to have that connection because if they don't, have that I don't care. I don't care. All the marketing behind it, it's not going to gel. Like, it's not going to happen. So I think it's two-sided. I think it goes both in, like, and and this is something that's really interesting, that before it was only management that would get involved in these featurings, and now it's becoming so organic because one artist is reaching directly out to to another artist and making it happen. So I think it's both, it goes, like, on both sides. That's a great answer. Yeah, like like not just so popular, he could work with any emerging hip hop guy he really wanted to, but there has to be some connection with Tekka. Otherwise, like, exactly. why would either of them do it? Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Nick. You. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one. We're going to get some more people in here real quick. Hey, David, can you hear us? Hey, guys. How are you? 
Hello. Doing good. Uh, thanks for having me. I wasn't camera ready. I wasn't. I didn't know if I'd be on camera. Um, <laughs> my question to Jimena, whom I know and love, and I've worked with her on different uh, occasions throughout our careers. Um, but I, I'm really super interested in to know if um, I know that you mentioned Bad Bunny Dumb Time on, on a track with Nata. Um, did that collaboration and the success and the ultimately all the the outcome of the collaboration uh, prompted the label and you guys to explore a full album? Which I mean, the trap album comes out to, tonight. So I wanted to know if that if that had if you always had the idea of doing the trap album. Or did that sort of like, you know, get you guys on that track? I think that kind of like sparked it. And I also think that it made Nata realize that he could do more than just corridos. Like it really gave him that, like, it put that seed in in him. I, like, at the label, they all call me the mom. Like I'm the mom, la mamá. I worried about it a little bit because I was like, no, he should be doing corridos. And I would tell Jimmy like, no, he should only be doing corridos. But it's like, at some point I was like, you know what? He's so multifaceted that he can really do anything he wants to. And I think Bunny believing in him made him realize that he had what it took to be able to get out of just the corrido world and go try something out. And also his voice is really interesting because it lends itself to anything. The other thing, I, like a lot of people don't know about this, but we did an amazing Beats um, video shooting the behind the scenes of El Diablo remix. And just to, give you an, like, just to give you an example of how amazing Bunny was, he was coming to LA to do James Corden. He was coming to do two late night shows and he had a super packed agenda. And he literally took a whole afternoon out to come hang out with Nata record all the stuff because he believed in Nata so much and Nata didn't know. So when Nata all of a sudden sees Bunny walking in, he looks at me and he's like, what the fuck? He was uh, so shocked. And again, and I think that, and then Bunny made a really good point that he's like, it's all about all of us supporting each other. It's not, we got to break the barriers of like Latin pop or reggaeton or trap. It's like, it's, it's music in Spanish. That's what to me that it is. It's music in Spanish. It's music in our language, whether whatever genre it is, it's all badass. It doesn't matter like where it comes from. If you're talented, you will, your talent will be recognized everywhere. Like we get messages from people in like the Middle East about not that. Like people that don't know, don't like understand a word of Spanish and they love his vibe. So I think that it was never like in our minds to release a trap album. I think it just kind of happened organically. Also, because again, like what I said before to Nick, it's you're either the artists are connecting with one another so they can collaborate in a way that's so much more organic than the labels calling each other and saying, hey, you know, we have this, which is what used to happen back in my day. Like, I remember there was a regional Mexican remix of every pop song. Yeah. It, yes, I remember. remember. And it was like, ugh, but it was only so you can chart in the regional Mexican billboard. And it was like, it was inauthentic. It wasn't real. And people pick up on that so, I, think, I think what you guys are doing is truly groundbreaking in the sense that you would never think of an artist like Nata collaborating with someone like Bad Bunny but it, it takes me back to when I was growing up and 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 or starting in the business where hip-hop artists in the general market hip-hop artists were starting to collaborate 
with pop artists. You know, I mean, it, you you can go back to Aerosmith and and Run DMC way back in the day. I just dated myself. You're welcome. But that you've we've never really seen this in the Latin world outside of the forced remake regional Mexican remixes and things like that. Um, so congratulations and kudos to you guys at the label, all of you, and for you, Mike, too, for highlighting someone like Jimena. So, of course. Did you see the Apple the Apple piece that she was talking about? I saw a little bit of it, yeah, when it, when it first came out, yeah. That piece is so great. I can't believe that was a surprise. <laughs> it was a surprise. He had no idea. He had no idea. You should have seen his face when Bunny walked in. Like, first of all, the fact that he came and, like, you know, we shot it at the studio where where Nata has recorded everything. They're called Yellow Room Music. Nata has recorded everything there. This is pre-quarantine, um, and it's it's like it's it's like our home. So for him to take the time, you know, with such a busy schedule, for him to take the time and come, and he was like he was super gracious, and they started like singing together a cappella in front of everybody. It was like, it was like. Oh my God. Like even like I've been, you know, I've been exposed to a bunch of things like, and this really, like, it was so exciting and just watching how excited, like, you know, because you do want some validation from, from, from people that are higher up as, as confident as you want to be in your own, what is a cloud that they call it now? It, it feels nice to have somebody like Bunny yeah. drop everything and come hang out with you. Like for all of us, it was, it was incredible. And I, and again, I'm so like I'm. I feel so privileged to be part of his journey, and and you know, and I and I really feel happy that I'm I'm, I'm part again of a movement that is shifting the culture. I feel super blessed to be in that position. Correct, Thank you, David. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Turning off the camera. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. That's that's the studio that I was at when when you. Yes, when was, yes. Yeah. When I took you to see Fuerza Regida, yeah. I was just telling someone, I was like, wow, Bad Bunny went to the studio. That studio is like really chill. And like, that, that is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, totally. We have, um, let's see. Oh, I was going to get, going to have JR join. He just left. Let's see. We got Jesus here. How's it going, man? Hey, Mike. Hi, Jimena. How are you doing? Hi, Jesus. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for doing this. I enjoyed those stories in the beginning. Could totally resonate with that. Like, Myself, I, I came from Peru when I was a little kid, and I was also in ESOL classes, so I could definitely resonate with those stories. And thank you so much for sharing that so openly. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, congrats on the success so far with Atenel. It's been really cool to see that as a fan, just follow along. Uh, my name is Asus, as I mentioned. I'm a music journalist from uh, Los Angeles, and I have a question I wanted to ask you. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's been really evident, just the growth and the momentum that Nathaniel has had. Uh, he's been able to chart on Billboard. And I'm curious, like Jimena, as his manager, um, how do you plan to continue to introduce Nathaniel's uh, music and this new, new fresh genre as, uh, of Corridos Tumbados to an English-speaking uh, North American audience? Well, I'm not his manager. Jimmy manages him. I, I, work, I work kind of like at the label. Um Okay, you know, the thing with with Nathanael's development, what has been really interesting about it is that there's no plan other than you have access to your fans right now. Like they're right there. Something that Rancho Milde has also done that's very smart is that they have 
pre-quarantine, pre-lockdown, um, they were doing these shows. They actually did 69 tour dates last year all across the country. So there's a lot of feedback, not only on social media, but live feedback from the people that go to the shows. So in a way, you can make better strategic decisions when you interact with your fans constantly. And when you have your whole team, like we're a very, we're a very, we're a team that's very together. We're all collectively like brainstorming on like how to do things. Um, like I said, Jimmy's very hands-on with the whole A&R process and even like the artwork of every album that comes on, like Jimmy's super hands-on about like how to do it. Like, like if it looks good, like it's a whole process, but I don't think, I think it's very organic. I don't think it's pre-planned. I don't think it's super premeditated. I think it's like, we roll with the flow, like whatever we see that's working. It's like, okay, let's go that way. Um, and I think also, I think a big part of this thing is having, is being so connected with your passion that your instinct becomes your best friend, you know, that it's like, you just innately know what the, like in which direction to take it. But I don't like, it's not like, Oh, for 2021, we're going to be, you know, targeting the middle America market. No, I think it just, it just happens organically and we roll with the punches. I had you on mute. Yeah. We do. Yeah, I agree. It definitely happens very organically. And I think we haven't seen to this day a blueprint for an artist like Nathaniel, you know, of this genre that, that he's a part of. So it's definitely interesting to see how that will develop. And I think uh, the fact that his album, his project will drop out tonight with, with Tech. I'm really curious to see like how that collaboration will be received. So I'll be mm -hmm. definitely following that closely. Yeah, something that's interesting too is that Tech was born in Mexico. So he's not Mexican American and he's like people love him here in the US. We're slowly starting to work to really like blow up in Mexico, but his core audience is here in the US and believe it or not, in Latin America. So it's a really interesting, you know, nobody would have, I think, like, we haven't had a, like, something like that happen in a long time, that a Mexican artist blows up here before they blow up in Mexico. It's usually they blow up in Mexico, and then they come here. So it's, I think that it's breaking so many, like, stereotypes of what we've always seen in music. Oh, yeah. 100%. Jimena, thank you so much for answering my questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, he's cool. Um, he's a cool guy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are some good questions. There were there were some other people, but they just told me they had to jump. But they said that they really enjoyed hearing yeah, you talk. Much. Oh my God! They didn't say that. They said that they loved your stories. So good. That's cool. I love telling stories. The world is like it's like I dream in like forty years to be sitting by a fire, like telling you know, all the kids that I was super cool back in the days and I worked in the music business and have all these stories because at the end of the day, that's all we have left. We have, you know, you can buy 50,000 pairs of shoes, you can buy 50,000 pair of bags and earrings and all this stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, all we have are stories. That's what stays with us. And that's what we're able to give away to other people. True. So, And you've learned a lot. So like you said, you feel blessed to be with Jimmy and the whole team, but I know that they feel blessed to have you too. So mm -hmm. that's cool. cool. But I got a, I got a few other questions for you. I want to get to all these real quick. Let me see. Um, 
So I want to talk to you a little bit about the music release strategy because I think a lot of people could learn from what you guys are doing. Um, not the drops so much music, right? And it's not too much, but he he like like you'll tell me you'll be like, hey Mike, you know we got a project coming, and I'd be like, oh, I, I'm still listening to the last project, or you're like, oh, we got two projects coming, or you know what I mean? Like you you hit me up this week, and you're like, oh, you know it's dropping Friday, don't forget, and I'm like, you guys got so much music, but people want it, and you're like giving the people what they want. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about like just the music release strategy. And then what have you done differently for this project since it's quarantine? Like, are you doing anything differently? I know you said digital is your strong point anyway. Well, here is, this is my personal opinion on music. I, um, I think one of the problems nowadays is that we went, when music took, when the streaming took over music and CD sales started disappearing, we went straight into a singles market. And at the time, I think that it was the wise thing to do. But now I think it's a horrible strategy because in my humble opinion, again, I don't, this is just, again, my instinct and just what I see. Let's say hypothetically speaking, like I'm, I'm, I don't know, DJ Jimena, and I'm dropping music, and I drop a single every three months, if I happen to be on a Spotify or an Apple Music playlist and someone liked my song, and then they go see my profile and I don't have any other music, guess what? I either become a one-hit wonder and they're never going to follow me and I just, it's like, there's nothing there, or I can drop a ton of music and then whenever somebody discovers my my one song on a playlist or because or they Shazam did or something, and then they go to my artist profile and I have 50 other songs that I can fall in love with. Guess what? That's when you're really building a fan. That's yeah. when you're really getting somebody and being like, okay, I'm going to support this dude till the end of time. So I think that the singles thing isn't very smart anymore because you have, especially now in lockdown, because you don't have access to show people want to consume content. Like people want to like, give me more, give me more, give me more. And it's like, Give the people what they want. You know what I mean? It's like, how could you just drop one song every three months? It's crazy. Well, I, especially when you can. Like, especially when you're talented enough to do it. Yes. And that, again, yesterday I was having a conversation. Who was I talking to yesterday? Oh, to Mickey, one of the one of the guys that works with us. And I said to him, everybody tells me, I have a theory that we're not going to have shows. In my opinion, I don't think we're going to have shows until next year. If that, until summer of next year. And since day one, the first week of, of lockdown, streams went down like all time low. Like we had never seen those numbers in a long time. And then the following week, it started picking up and it's been staying super healthy and actually having peaks. And I said to myself, I was like, I wonder what the impact of no shows is going to have on the streaming side. I have a theory that it's actually going to be really healthy for at least the Latin industry. I don't know much about the mainstream side, but for the Latin industry, because what was going on is that only artists that had access to big production budgets or to like corporate sponsors or like that were do doing deals with Live Nation or AEG, like those were the artists that had billboards all over the city or the radio campaigns about the shows who like everybody was going to the shows and posting stuff. So it was so much added media exposure that it obviously catapulted them to another completely different level. And now the playing field is going to be more even for those people that 
didn't have access to go on tour. So all of a sudden, all of those artists that are deemed as like smaller artists are going to get a chance to compete with the major artists for streaming. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to, because I think again, it's going to open up, it's going to open up the range of artists that we're going to have access to. And I think it's super exciting. And again, we're, I think also a lot of the people that are not talented, that are pretending to be talented are just going to fall off. Because if you can't write like not that, like not that right songs, like I'm like, how does this kid do it? He writes songs like he's like writing two sentences on a piece of paper. And if you're not that type of artist, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to survive in a market like right now, because it's not going to be the gimmicky, you know, awesome stage and the pyrotechnics and blah, and like all the hoopla around it. Like whoever's good is going to stay there. And if you're not, you're just going to go away. But the strategy and, and Rancho has had that strategy of just releasing a lot of content, which I think is super, super smart. I didn't come up with it. They've been doing it forever and it's worked for them. So I think that, but I believe in it. And I think that, you know, I stand behind it a thousand percent because it's all about content. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you and um, you're absolutely right. And like, you know how you said some artists won't be able to stand this. And I think the artists, like they say the best, the, the number one thing to kill or the quickest way to kill a bad product is good marketing, you know? Cause it's like, if you really put it out there and it's really bad, like the market will tell you so. If you're able to put out projects like like Nata or anyone like like him, and you're able to put them out and they're good, like keep doing it because obviously you have the talent to do that. But I agree with everything you just said. I think a lot of people can learn from that. I wanted to also ask you, um, working with Jimmy and his label, and like you you told me it's the first Mexican American label to be dropping a trap album. Like, how do you guys feel? And then also like, how do you guys feel about trap corridos like in general? You know what I mean? Like, what does it mean to you? Well, something that Jimmy says all the time that I love is that his audience is the only audience that will listen to corridos, whether they're corridos tumbados, like the new wave of corridos or old school corridos, they will listen to reggaeton and they will also listen to trap. There is no other demographic that does all these three things and they can do it in the same, at the same time. Yeah. You know, they're in the car and they're listening to the three genres in and out. Yeah. So, it's fascinating because there's no boundaries. And again, it goes back, you know, to wrap this up to like the beginning where I started talking is like, we're the only ones that set limits on ourselves. Nobody, nobody, like you put the fence around you. The world doesn't put fences around you unless you allow them to, you know what I mean? So in a way it's kind of like, wait, why shouldn't we be looking into the trap world or the reggaeton world. I don't know. I don't know about the reggaeton one because I think that there is going to be a huge shift in in the reggaeton sound. Um, but it's like, why would you not look into it if our audience is already doing it? You know, and, and obviously, like it's a Mexican <laughs> trap trap artist, which there's not a ton of them in the U.S. You know, and again, I think it's not the authenticity and his love for what he does that just makes him like. He attracts everybody, like people, whether you're from Puerto Rico or you're from the Dominican Republic. It's like there is something about him that just makes him lovable to everyone. And also with that comes a lot of haters, too. But it's like, you know, don't like those will come and go and those will always be there. And it's more about their issues that they have with themselves than issues with somebody else. So, 
Well, if people, if people don't hate, if you don't have haters, then you're obviously not doing something right because you're not doing anything to like provoke emotion, you know? Exactly. But, um, I told you before that, you know, um, my mom's Mexican American. My grandpa's from Durango. I told you that, right? No, I didn't know that. Really? Uh, yeah. I thought I mentioned this, but I'm wearing my hat for oh, you. Yeah. My Durango. Do you remember Pasito Duranguense? Were you ever like, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, um, what year was this? It was probably like. 2000s it was like a big there was a big movement of pasito duranguense and if i'm not mistaken it, it all stemmed out from durango yeah no i know my mom my mom tells me things and i remember but i just i just wanted to say you know because of that like i even find nata's music even like it's even more exciting for someone who like wants to see this happen you know like it's happening regardless but like it's it's really cool to watch and the reason i brought up the you froze stand on every corner mm-hmm. and i wanted you just to tell that story so everyone listening could hear like your theory on the taco stand on every corner well here's my theory i love like i said i love mexican culture like i love mexican culture i've been very fortunate and i've traveled a lot and one thing that i can't live without is mexican food so i have a theory on like there is a taco place in every part of the world like you can travel anywhere And I think it speaks really highly of Mexican food and it speaks really highly of, of, of how hard Mexicans work. That It's the taqueria effect. So the fact that you can find a taco stand or a taco restaurant or, or a Mexican restaurant, I don't want to like make it sound like it's only taquerias because there's a broad range of food, just speaks loudly of the fact that there are Mexicans everywhere. You know, so it's like, you know, if you go to Berlin, like not that can have fans in Berlin Because people are obviously tuned in into the Mexican culture. Like there is already a connection. It already exists. And I think that it's been like, I've always told my Mexican friends, I was like, you guys should be ruling the world. <laughs> like it's like between your food, your how beautiful the country is, you know, your music. The music is so diverse that it's like, you guys should be like, at least they should be ruling California. You know what I mean? It's like. I've always said it. I have a good friend that works at Apple, Christina, and I've always like for we've been friends for like 15, 18 years. And from the beginning, I was like, you guys need to rule this country. So so I really like, yeah, so it's the taqueria effect that if there's a taco stand in every in every part of the world, you're going to be able to find people that love this Mexican music. And now that it's that it's mixed in with stuff that's more mainstream, what's not to love? It's like you're getting the best of every world. I agree. And like you said, like Mexican people and Mexican American people and just people who have any connection to Mexico, they're, they're all over the place and all over the world. And a lot of, a lot of the people are waiting to be activated. So it's kind of like someone like Nata could potentially just really, really, really fast, like really quickly just explode even faster than he already is just because there's so many people who are looking for him. Yeah. And I think I, I tell Jimmy sometimes that to me, the label Rancho to me is like a lifestyle label. Like uh, besides the fact that it's a music label, there is whenever you have to come to a show, I hope we can do shows sometime. <laughs> but it's, it's so interesting. YouTube show. I watched the YouTube show that Naomi put together. Yeah. But if, even if you watch, like if to watch a, a show live, it's like the crowd, it's like a lifestyle of their own. It's like, they have, they have their own rules. They have their own vibe. And again, it's being taken from different places of, of different places of the culture, but it like, 
It's like they made it their own and it's super badass because it's authentic. Hell yeah. Okay, you know what? We just got two two questions for you popping in. Let's okay. let's go to Charlie. Charlie uh Charlie works on the team. How you doing, Charlie? Hello. Well, how are you guys doing? Good, thanks. I just have a quick question. So I haven't gotten a chance yet to dive into Naka's music, but I want to right after this. Um, and I just wanted to know if you have some recommendations of good songs that are either your favorite songs generally or just songs that you think are good ones for getting into his music. Just so you, like, I've always been horrible with names of songs. So it was always... I come from the CD world, so it was always like number eight, number eleven, number blah blah blah. But I'm going to tell you my favorite songs. Amor tumbado, the Amor tumbado was the song that like captured my heart. Like I was like, oh my god, this song is incredible. So I love that song. I love Arriba, El de la Codeína. I also love. He also has a new one called Nubes, which is insane. And then he has. Hold on, because like I said, I'm terrible with, he has a song with Junior H, who's one of an, another one of our artists who is like insane. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold yeah, on. keep saying the names because we're recording this so everyone could look them up. And yeah. Amor Tumbado, Arriba, Disfruta Lo Malo, which is the one with Junior H that I love. Soy El Diablo, which is obviously the one that he did with, um, with uh, El Drip, which is really, really good. Uh, Nubes Blancas. Is that the one that you're thinking of? Which one? Which one? Seca Tus Lagrimas. Eh, no, that one. I don't. That the one. That, that that one doesn't ring a bell. But I would say those are those are my favorites. So Nubes. What's, favorite? what's your favorite on the project that's dropping tonight, though? There's one that's called Lean. That's that. That's a good one. Yeah. I love Lean, and the other one that I love is, hold on, because, again, I don't know the track. There's another one. Something El Callejero. What's the name of the song? Something with El Callejero. That's the other one that I love. And, again, I am not, like, I don't come home and listen to trap music all day long, so I, but when I, like, when there's good music, it's impossible to to miss it. So, Charlie, if you're, like, a romantic guy like Amor Tumbado is incredible the video is really really good um, Nubes is incredible um, El Drip is good El de la Codeína El de la Codeína is kind of like what put him in a different level and then you got to listen to Soy El Diablo which is the remix with Bad Bunny but all the songs are good all of them and his right. voice is just his voice is amazing cool cool well, thank you for that I'm excited to, to dive in yeah, and, and Charlie recently had purple hair, so he's going to get along with the music well. Not that has purple hair right now. I remember when he died it. I was such a mom. I was like, what did you do to your hair? That's funny. <laughs> I'm such a mom. I'm sorry. I have no kids, so I live. My my, my, my artists are my kids. Sure, for sure, sure. Totally. All right, well, thank yeah. you. Nice to meet well, you. I'm happy you guys got to meet because Charlie listens to all the uh, interviews and he gets all the quotes, so. That's me. Cool. He yeah. will be quoting you. Yeah, I will. I'll be typing it up. Thank you. All right, thanks, y'all. Right, thanks, Charlie. Let's see. Hey, can you hear us? Hello. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yep. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mena. Nice to meet you guys. Hi, Alonso. How are you? Good, good. Um, I just had a couple questions. The first one was, what do you guys look for in new artists and talents to join Jimmy's team, such as, like, Nathaniel, Ovi, or Junior Ache? And, like, 
how would one get in contact with Jimmy, whether it be like a new talent or just help on the business side? Jimmy is addicted to Instagram. Like okay. if, if Jimmy could like go inside Instagram and live in Instagram, he would. That's how he finds everyone. If you have, if you're a musician and you want to like hit him up on Instagram, send them a message, send them the stuff that you're doing. And that's the best way to go about it. I have no, like, I like that's completely out of my jurisdiction, but that's how you would, that's how you would get him to. And he's one of those, I, my God, I have, I have such a funny story. One, one morning he wakes up and he sends me a message and he's like, he, he heard Cardi B talking about a song that she was like obsessed with on Instagram. And he managed to find the guys that sang the song and flew them out to LA the next day. Damn. Like it was what I was like, what? Like you're insane. But these are the kinds of things that he does. Like if he likes what you're doing, he is going to be the first one to support you. He's, he's going to be the first one to like give you like all the advice. And like, I say like, we're a big family. Cause he literally takes people in. If you want to come work with a company, that's like a separate thing. And I'm, I'm happy to like, like we're not hiring anybody right now, especially cause we're not on tour. We're doing a few shows in Texas in the next month. But, um, but then that's a, that's like a separate issue depending on like who's looking for somebody and in what department. But if you are a musician, send your things to Jimmy and if they're badass and they're really, really good. And the other thing, actually, yesterday we were talking, yesterday, the day before yesterday, we were talking about that, that how do you turn people down? Because you might think that you're amazing and you might be amazing, but there must, like, if there must be some things that you need to work on or, you know, it's probably not the sound that somebody's looking for. That's another thing that I think is important that just because you sound like Nata, doesn't automatically make you as good as not that you okay. need to find your own way of doing things. And I think that's why Nata has been so successful. Cause Nata's like, I'm not going to copy anybody else. I'm going to do my thing. So find whatever it is, your thing, your sounds, whether there's anybody else out there doing it, go like this, cover your ears and find, find your, find, find you. Cause once you block out the noise and you find you, the world is yours. That was actually my second question. If you guys were like looking for more people that kind of go with the same flow as the team or someone that's totally unique. I think, I think Jimmy looks for people that are doing their thing and that are authentic. Yeah. And which is very different from traditional labels, like traditional labels. They, you know, they have Shakira. So they want to find 50 other Shakiras. And it's like, why, if you already have Shakira, why do you need 50 more like them? Like let's, let's fill all the gaps and let's, that's how you also grow a movement because you can't have one movement sound exactly the same. It's got to have, it's got to have a little bit of flow. It's got to have a little bit of diversity. Imagine if like, if if we made every single recipe with every single same ingredient, it's like, you're going to get the same thing. Nobody wants to eat the same thing every day. Sorry. I love food. So I always take, bring it to take it back to the food. No, it's fine. And lastly, like, what's the funnest part about working, like, with all those young guys in the team? <clears throat> that I learn to really love them. I really, okay. that they become, like I said, I don't know. It's kind of crazy on Instagram, so I was just wondering your point of view, if, like, being around them. It's crazy. I am the mom. I am the one that makes sure that they're, like, you know, that they're not saying things they shouldn't be saying, that they're, it's really interesting because, again, I come from another era. 
So I'm more old school and I'm more traditional. So when I see kids nowadays, it's like, guys, it's super important to respect your elders. It's super important to, to say hello and goodbye. It's super important to say please, to say thank you. Like to me, like that's such a big part of what I want to bring to the table to like, like the young people. Um, Cause we forget, we forget that that's important. And it's like, for, I'll give you a perfect example. When we did our first show with bad bunny, obviously like imagine it's like a Puerto Rican crew. And I know, like I tell everybody that I can speak Puerto Rican because I grew up with reggaeton. So I could, I like, I understand them. And then I can speak Mexican, Mexican and Puerto Rican does it like they don't understand each other all the time. So one of the things I said, when we got to Staples center, I said to the guys, I was like, guys, please, we have to be like super respectful that this is their show. This is their space. Like, even though we're super badass in LA and everybody loves us, like we have to understand that we're walking into their space. Um, and I wanted to make sure that every single person on Bad Bunny's team left that day having enjoyed working with us. Like that to me was very, very important. So that's what a lot of my 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 input is. You know, I'm also the one that makes sure that we're on time, that all of that stuff, because Jimmy lives in his own world. You know, like the artist lives in their own world and I'm the one that kind of like brings it down to like reality. And also just, I love them. I, I, I genuinely like, I have, like, I, I love them, you know, like, like for quarantine, for example, like at the beginning, like I didn't care that I couldn't leave the house. I was actually sad for the artists because I know how much it, me- it means to them to be in front of the public. And that all of a sudden that that was taken away. Like, it was like, I had a little, like my heart ached and I felt sad. So I think connecting, finding a, a way to connect with them and finding a way to be, to help them become better people is what I really like, what I really enjoy about my job. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for having me. And thank you, Jimena, for the, the responses. It was great talking to you guys. Thanks, Alonso. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. That was cool. This is so cool. I like this. I could like do this every day. It's fun, right? I feel like Dr. Ruth. <laughs> no, you're, you're giving a lot of great advice. And I liked how you, just uh, answered his questions. That was really awesome. But my last thing for you, any any young man or any young woman who's trying to get into the industry, what's one one tip? Like just, just anyone watching this right now and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm an immigrant or when I came to this country or when I started off, like they hear your story and they can relate and they're like, you know what? Now I'm inspired and I want to do it myself or I have more confidence now or, you know, anyone who just has anything in common with you at all or anyone who wants to be in the music industry and maybe doesn't have anything in common, like, like what should they do to join the industry? I think what I said to Alonso, like find, find you, find you, block the noise, go like this and go like this because the amount of information that we're bombarded with in regards to what we should look like, what we should say, what we should think. Fuck that. Be you. Find you. And the minute you find you and you really enjoy being yourself and you enjoy what you do, like don't do it because you want to be cool. Don't do it because you're going to have more friends. Don't don't do it because you want to be famous. Do it because you love it and do it because it makes you happy. Don't block out the noise. That's my, that's, that's my, 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 my thing. Block out the noise. Turn off Instagram. Like, like I, I, at some point I started doing that. It was like Instagram, like phone free weekends because guys there's, it's impossible to develop any critical thinking skills when all you're doing is following what everybody else is doing. 
and then you lose yourself and you have no idea who you are. And it's like, what good is it to the world if you don't know who you are? Like, what it, what good is it if, like, you're rapping like the, the, the next rapper and then somebody else comes out and you're rapping like them? It's like, no, I want you. Be you. Like, we have to lose that fear of being us. That's that's what I would say. Yeah, that's what you did. You followed yourself and it, took, it brought you to a lot of different genres. And that's cool. That's cool that you're open to following yourself like that. Yeah. And it's and it's like, and don't let anybody tell you that because you're a woman, you can't do this or because you're a guy. Use, be smart about that. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to be like a dude. You know what I mean? Like I, like they have their place. I have my place. I have my strengths. They have their strengths and we can all come together and create amazing things. But it's like, I've never... I've never allowed anybody to treat me differently because I'm a woman or, be, or because I'm Latina or because I'm an immigrant. Never. Because I've always been so, even if I didn't know how to do something, I know that I could always find a way to figure it out. So I think that, that I think like, and, and this sounds so cliche and I hate this, but it's like, love yourself so much that there's just no room for any doubt. But I think that it starts with blocking out the noise. I think that's that's what it starts with. Perfect. I was waiting for you to give us a sound clip. There it is. Shout out to Charlie. He's laughing. He's he was waiting for it. Um, I love that. I, thank you, thank you, and Gary for like being so supportive. I know that you and I, and thank Naomi because Naomi was the one that made this connection, and she's the one that introduced you to Natha and like everybody at YouTube, like every like AJ, like everybody at Apple, every like like it's like this the amount of support and love that we get from all of you guys, like. We can't like this is we can't do this alone. Like it takes a whole team and believers to really push this forward. So thank you, thank you so much, and thank yeah. you for doing these things. Like you, you contribute so much to the community, and it's amazing. Yeah, I was just talking to AJ and Naomi. I was going to have them come on and surprise you, but they they like have a meeting at work they couldn't get out of. Of but. course they do. They work at Google. Like Google probably they have meetings every five minutes. Like <laughs> corporate America. But they wanted to say hi. So that's cool. Um, and yo, so we're going to wrap up. Aaron, you want to join real quick? Yep. Hello. How you doing? Are you, How you doing? Do you have the AC like all cranked up? Because you're like, you're like in cozy world there. I love it. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I like everything you said. It's really powerful. It's really inspiring. Especially the blind noise thing. It's like, you get so much information overload on like, you know, Instagram and Twitter. It's like you said it exactly how I said it when everything started spiking up. It's like everything's so loud. Like it's like, and I literally said I was like, I get on Twitter and I would see something. And I'm like, yo, it just makes me want to get right off Twitter because it's like, yo, I don't like, you know, from my perspective, it's like incorrect or it's just like it bothers me. And instead of me like commenting, it's like I just want to get off and. Most of my job is me being on Twitter and me being on Instagram and trying to see stuff. But it's like when you got the whole world, like especially Twitter, where the conversation of America internationally is at, it's like, yo, you can't see anything because everybody's talking about these certain things. And even though these are topics that, you know, we got to have, it's still like you really it's like it's like that song J. Cole. So I'm like, you know, you're tweeting and stuff but like, like, what are, are you really doing enough? Like, are you really doing action? Like, are you really outside protesting? Are you really like. I think it's easy to retweet, but like, how much are you really doing with the retweet when everybody else is retweeting? Like, I don't know. But I- you know what the other thing I think is important in that in that same realm 
is that there's a there's another side to our belief system. Like our, that, yeah. our belief system is not 100% correct. And the other side, their belief system is not 100% correct. Like, yeah. there's this other day that I love that it's like the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think that, again, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. Let's find a way, because I see these conversations on Twitter where people are calling themselves like, or on next door, like with our neighbors. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, we're, we're criticizing the other side or the other party for being an asshole or being a hater. And I'm just dishing out the same amount of hate. So what does that make me? Like how, like, what am I doing here? But again, I think it becomes because we have so much information that we have no time to, to really process it. So we just react. So we just call you an asshole and we just call you, we do this and we do that. And it's like, that's why meditation is so important. And I love that Jay Balvin just released this whole thing with, with Deepak Chopra to meditate. And it's like, we need to quiet ourselves. We need to like bring the volume down a little bit and let's, let's sit with things a little bit. And I think that's what maturity and experience gives you too, that you learn that it's like, you don't have to react all the time. Yeah. It's like, be proactive. Don't be reactive. Yeah. And you can, when you're inundated with, especially when we're so visual. So Instagram with like, with all of the, the, the memes and the, this, and it's like, and it's just so easy to retweet and it's so easy yeah. to regram that it's like, I was going through my Twitter. I got to confess something to you guys because I've been, I've been cleaning all my social media. I actually, I heard Mark Cuban many years ago saying that the biggest thing in the future is going to be your ability to delete all your tweets from many, many years ago or your, or your pictures. And it's actually proven to be correct because a lot of people are getting hey. in trouble for stuff that they posted a few years ago. Yeah, he has something called something dust. What was it? Digital dust or digit something that deletes your 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 social media presence. And I was going through my through my um, through my old tweets. I was a vegan at some point in my life. I think I've been a little bit of everything at some point in my life. And I was a hardcore vegan. And I respect the movement very much. And I love animals. I have three dogs. If I could adopt every bird and every squirrel that walk goes through my yard, I would. I would like. I also got very sick from being a vegan. And I realized that for me, for me, for me, I can't speak for everybody else. And I hope that I don't start getting bashed by the vegans. Like I got, I happened to get very sick. And then I started really looking into the chain of how things worked in the farming business and how like, you yeah. know, there is, there is a process that if I would have stood only in, from my perspective, I wouldn't have been able to understand the full picture. And when you're able to understand the full picture, you're able to not carry all that hate mm-hmm. and be yeah. of yeah. your perspective. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was having a topic with my, my roommates and like, just to let you know, like I'm, I'm 19 is like, when you're having topics with like older people, they just think like you don't know, or you don't have enough experience. It's like, I do know. It's like, if you, I always try to, I don't even always try to put myself in their shoes, but I just try to always understand the situation at hand. I just like, you know, I, I don't believe in 100% positivity. I don't believe in 100%. Hey, I try to believe in like just balance. And like, that's mainly what I, I try to like surround myself in. So like, I think if people started understanding more and like became more universal minded and, and uh, you know, things would be a lot better, but who am I to say like this would be better when like I, I'm not in that situation to say like this would be better so 
Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I think we all need to do it with 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 more compassion and with more understanding and with with more. You know, I think I've always said that anger is just sadness disguised stronger. Look, you know, like it's it's okay for me to be angry because it's a tough emotion, but it's not okay for me to be sad. And I think that if we all understood that behind all that anger, there's just a huge amount of sadness. And the more that we can talk about that sadness and that vulnerability, like that's the more impact that we can create and the more connection that we can connect. Yeah. The more connection we can create, you know, because it's like, I'm sad. I'm sad. Like something made me sad. Like, you know, and, but, but it's like, we, we hide sadness under a facade of anger because anger strong and anger is empowering. And I can go and tell you to off off, but yeah. I can tell you like, Hey, I'm sad. And I want to cry, especially like for, for men. Like it's like, and it's like, you know what? It's totally okay. Yeah. I think, and then like, again, I speak for myself. Like I tend to hide my sadness under anger. My mom used to do that. So I learned it from her and little by little, I'm kind of like saying like, look, when I'm angry, I catch myself and I'm like, okay, what's really going on? What's making me sad? What, what, what hurts here? And then when I'm able to tap into that sadness, then the anger goes away and I don't have that same desire to defend my point of view and fight you over it and call you names over it. No, it's, I'm the one who's sad. I'm the one that needs to deal with it. 100%. Well, well, you know what? I have to say this. Um, first of all, I agree with everything you guys said, but we're running out of time, but this has been really meaningful on so many levels. Um, Aaron is young, but Aaron is a whiz and Aaron, he runs our Twitch studio. So I don't know if Nata plays video games, but if he does, he loves video games. Here's the thing that you guys need to explain to me what you want to do so I can explain it to him because I know what Twitch is. I know it's the biggest gaming platform in the entire world. I don't know what that means. The last time I played a video game was Game Boy in like 1995. So I have no idea. Like, you guys explain it to me. I'll like I'll explain it to him and we'll get him on there. And actually with Amazon, we're, we're thinking about doing something with Twitch and I'm having the same. Like you guys need to translate what it means to me, what it means so I can translate it to him in Spanish and we'll make it happen. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, um, they would call you a hipster for the Game Boy comment, but – <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, next time you guys are in New York, come to the office and we got a whole setup. And, and Aaron and myself, a guy oh. named Mari, like we all play video games with artists. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's we see. We'll see where you guys all stand. You know, I can play Atari. If you can get your hands on an Atari, I can play Atari. I was a badass at Atari. though. I, I actually do have it. I'm a collector. Oh it's the best. That paddle yeah. thing. The yeah. I was super badass at it. All right, well, we'll we'll set something up and uh, Aaron, check out the music when it drops tonight. I will, hundred percent. Thank you, guys, Mike. So much love to you. Like I have like profound, immense love for and respect for what you do. And thank you, guys, always. Thanks for sharing thank your you. story, everyone Bye. listening. One thirty-seven p.m. dot com. One thirty-seven p.m. on Instagram. Uh, check out Nata Kano's uh, album dropping tonight. I already heard an early listen. It's pretty great. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a good Bye. day. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, subscribe, rate, and review. And stay tuned for episodes every Monday.